How are we, everybody, this morning? Good. Yep, it's still morning, eight more minutes. Well, welcome to all of you. My name is Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors on our team here. Glad to have all of you today. If we have not already done it, can we just say uh, welcome to all our first-time guests today? Glad to have you guys. Good to have you guys. We're in a, a week, a week two of a series called Legacy. We kicked it off last week, and let me just let me just dive in. I just want to dive in and say that what I have been learning is that leaving a legacy is the highest need in the human heart. Leaving a legacy, like what we pass on and the, the purpose we find in having something to pass on is the highest need in the human heart. Um, I, I, I would say that that might have been built in and probably pushed uh, when I was 19 years old and everything prior to 19 because I have a mom, had a mom who passed away who used to pray and pray and pray and pray this verse for me. Let me, let me give you this verse. My wife, my, my wife, my mom used to pray Ephesians 4, chapter 1. She used to pray this for me over and over and over again. She used to drive me nuts back then. But now I really, really grasp what she was trying to accomplish in my life. Ephesians 4, 1 says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, I'm 46 years old now. And um, my I have gotten a whole lot more introspective now that I'm no longer exactly middle-aged. Now I'm over the halfway of what you would consider the halfway hump. I'm over that. So now all of a sudden, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that along the lines of my mom passed away when she was 46, I'm 46, and I'm thinking, all right, what's, you know, how much longer do I have to live, right? So, I've, I, you know, when you get older, you, you cry a whole lot more, you, you say dumb things, you forget a lot, of, a lot of weird things, you go to the bathroom a whole lot more. TMI, I know, okay, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm all out there for you this morning. And so, here's what's crazy. The longer I live, the more I am coming to realize that this verse is so true. God really, really, really does have a, a great plan and a purpose for each of us. And his, his goal was to help us get to a place where we find fulfillment in life through finding out that we've got purpose. And to the degree that we're living in our, the, the, the flow of how we're wired, how we're made, and God's purpose, to that degree do we really find joy and satisfaction and happiness in life. So what I want to do this morning is I want to, I want to talk to you about really what motivates us. Because I know right as I start talking, many of you could be left off in this conversation because you would say, I don't really know that I know my purpose, or I don't really know that I, you know, have intention to really live with a whole lot of like trying to leave a legacy. Um, some of you would even say, you know, this sounds like one of these conversations where you're going to tell us that to leave a, like, a legacy, you got to, you know, love and serve somebody else. And I'm just not so sure that that's where I really want to go. Well, let me just tell you this from somebody who was not even a, a, a Christ follower. Let me tell you, basically, a guy named Maslow. You guys remember, remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs? This guy Maslow, right, secular psychologist, looked at human beings and said, here's essentially what motivates everybody. And what he, what he determined was that we're motivated by, 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 by eight things. The first four that I want to give you are, are basically just our, our basic needs, and those are, those are the needs that we have to constantly be refilling and fueling in our life. First one he talked about was our physical needs. He said, it's what we, all of us have this, it's a need, it's not just American, it's, it's global, everybody has physical needs, you need food, you need water, you need shelter. We see, and stats say that 85% of Americans right now are having those needs met. Obviously, some are not, all right? So, so the second one he talked about are safety needs. He said physical needs are things that we, we are motivated towards. He said we're also motivated towards protection. We're motivated towards shelter. It's why we like to have a roof over our heads. It's why we like to drive around and feel like we're safe when we're driving. It's why 
We have safety belt laws and other laws that we actually long for someone to help us keep our lives safe, keep them organized, keep things moving in such a way that we feel like things are safe. Also see and know right now there's a stat that says 75% of Americans are having those needs being met. The third one he talked about, and these are all, all these needs are kind of progressing into what he said was our most fundamental, most important need. The third one he talked about were love needs. The idea that we, we have this belongingness in us. We subscribe to and want to belong to something. Um, Ed, sitting up front here, recently we talked about a book that both of us have read called Tribes by a guy by the name of, and I can't remember it again, Seth Godin. Before I couldn't remember the name of the book, now I can't remember his name. I'm 46, bro. So, uh, so Seth Godin wrote a book called Tribes, and he talked about the reason why people want to be a part of different groups, clubs. He talk, I think he talked about people who are triathletes. I can't remember. But, like, you know, why do people want to go out and wear spandex shorts? Why do guys do that? I mean, I know girls do that too, but I'm like, why, was it, why would a guy do that? Why would a guy wear those shorts? Why would he put on these shirt and shoes that clip onto a bike? Why do those people put stickers on their cars? Because all of us long to be belong to something. So Seth Godin talked about that with the idea that we have these love needs uh, and we long to have those be fulfilled. To love, to be loved, is the reason why social media is as big as it is because it's ways people can be connected. It's the way we can feel like we belong. Um, found out that 50% of Americans are having those needs met 50% of Americans or people in America are not having those needs met. That's a, that's a stat. So it's kind of like, wow, why, why is that not? Why is it? Well, let's go on. And let me say that all four of these first areas, uh, categories of needs, are all what he described as he called deficiency needs. These are things that we are constantly uh, longing to have more of, a feeling of always feeling deficient, and those are things that we've got to be constantly kind of finding ways to fuel those things up. The, the fifth one is, and this is kind of another category, he said the fifth one is cognitive needs. Um, we, what motivates us is this need to want to know more. We want to know more. It's the reason why there's the Discovery Channel. It's the reason why, you know, uh, there's all these different channels on TV that we love to watch. It's the reason why we want to pick up a book and learn something. It's the reason why... We've got Google. I mean, you can go on there and search for anything. I've got a 10-year-old son, and he is into cars. He researches everything there is to know about cars. He can tell you what elite cars are production, what cars are not production. He can tell you everything about the new Ford uh, GT that's coming out, how it's going to compare with the F1 Ferrari that's out. He can tell you the prices. It's just, it's just innately in us for us to recognize uh, where we might like to have more information. But all of us, because we are human, we have built innately inside of us this need for cognitive growth. Uh, the sixth one is aesthetic needs, meaning that every one of us have a need to appreciate beauty, to appreciate life, to find the abundance and the beauty with things around us. Some of you guys love the outdoors, and you feel like, man, I can find God when I'm an outdoors person. I, I am. Some of you feel the same way. Some of you guys, man, I can see the beauty in this artwork, or I can see beauty in music. I can just sense like this calming peace when I'm listening to music, you know, that is wired in us by God. I mean, that's, that's put in us. It's, it's not an accident. It's something that God said, I'm putting in you. You're going to be unique to love it this way. You're going to be unique to love the beauty of things this way. But God put all this in us. Maslow began to figure it out because God gave Maslow this wonderful intellect to help figure those things out. But he called those aesthetic needs. Now what's funny, and I, funny but I think amazing, is our enemy wants us to be deficient in these areas. God wants us to live and have abundance in these areas. So when we start thinking about leaving a legacy and how we're wired, what motivates us, know that in, right here in the in advance part of this conversation, enemy doesn't want us to live abundantly. He wants us to be deficient. 
So God's on our side to help us live in a certain way that we are fueled, that we are fulfilled. The, the seventh one that uh, Maslow talked about was called self-actualization need. Uh, it's this desire we have to get to a place where we, where, we, where we intrinsically know down deep in our hearts why we are alive. Who am I and why do I exist? That, that's the fundamental question of the self-actualization. And, and it's not just understanding who we are, why we live, but understanding my potential, right? Who I am, why I exist, wh- what gifts I have, and how do I use them? What do I do with this stuff? Who am I? Right? That's the question. And what's sad about this, here's a, here's a sad stat. 2% of the population have gotten to this place. 2%. 2% of Americans are at the place where they feel like they have answered that question. I know who I am, and I know what I'm supposed to do and be with myself, my giftedness, how I'm wired in life. 2%. Here's what's really sad. 0.1% of college students know who they are and why God has them on this planet. So, I mean, this is, this is a pretty big deal, right? I mean, this is stuff that this guy figured out, that he presented, that everybody agreed with, this morning, the last one that I want to share with you that he talked about, and they didn't come up, they didn't put this one down in the initial draft. They, they presented them at first, met with a team, came up with this last one and said, yes, this one absolutely has to be in it. This is probably the most important. And so what he said was the last one, and this is, this is uh, him being a psychologist, the way they named this one, transcendence needs. Transcendence needs. Meaning... Uh, and he, they actually said this became and has become the ultimate level. So the ultimate level of looking beyond who I am, looking beyond how I'm made, looking beyond yourself to how we leverage what God gave us for somebody else. So transcendence. He said our fundamental the most fundamental need that we have is making a difference in somebody else's life. Is that, is that an oxymoron kind of like to you? It, it's, this is like learning and looking at this in the last few weeks, and I've actually uh, talked about these before in our church, but this has just been an aha moment for me. So what I'm learning here, not even like from God, not even from you know, like a Christian point of view, but for me to be fueled, what motivates me, from a secular point of view, what motivates us, we, don't even, we may not even realize this, but what motivates us is to do good for somebody else. So the point is, if you and I aren't doing good, if you and I aren't to a place, sadly 98% don't know who they are, 98% don't know why they're on this planet, and I don't know what the status for this last one, I couldn't find one, but what is the percent of people who know who they are and actually living out in such a way that they're leveraging who they are for somebody else's purpose? Because essentially, to the degree that we figure out this, to that degree do we have fulfillment in life. So here's what's ironic. God tells us in His Word that to the degree that we get this figured out, is the degree that we understand our connection with Him. So let me, let me show this to you this morning. Let me, let me give you a challenge before I go into the passage I want to give you today. The challenge is this. Proverbs 9.6 says this. And, here, and here's, here's a verse. If you, can, if you can remember Proverbs 9.6, go look it up later. Jot it down somewhere. This is it in, in the message version. It says this. Leave your impoverished confusion. Like, this is, a, this is what God said to humankind, right? Knowing that we would have these first four categories of like these constant needs to feel, you know, love, to be loved, to, to have, you know, the satisfaction of, of protection and safety and to, to live because we've got, you know, nourishment. God says to us, with all those needs and with all the needs of, 
of growth, of knowledge, of, of being connected, association, um, with, with knowing who we are and living that out, living beyond ourselves. God says, leave your impoverished confusion and live. This is what I want for us. This is what I want, what I want for me. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street of life with what's that last word? With meaning. With meaning. See, I think there's an amount, a percentage of people here that think, you know, this is a great verse for somebody else. This might be a great conversation for all the recipients of if I did this. If I did this, if I you know, understood who I was, if I really knew how God wired me and made me, and I leveraged those gifts for the, the, the well-being of somebody, somebody else, that's, that's great for them, right? They get the benefit. Or God somehow gets the benefit. You know, He made us, He made me this way. Maybe God gets the benefit. But the truth is, we benefit from this. This is not just about others. It's not just about God. It's, it's about us in the grand scheme of what God's doing in the world. It's like it's putting ourselves in a bigger picture of life. And, and can I tell you, I think the reason my mom used to pray for me is because when I was 19 and 18 and 16, and she didn't know me beyond that because I, I was, she passed away. But I, I, everywhere I went, I absorbed everything for me. I mean, I just lived my life for me, right? I played sports when I was younger. Parents got me a car. I helped pay for it. But like, Dad, can I get gas? I mean, everywhere I went, hey, consume, consume, consume for me, for me, for me. I mean, you know, when you're young, it's hard to not be that way because your parents take care of you, right? Babies wake up, and, and what do they, they get someone walking around with them, right? So someone's constantly taking care of them. So as you, as you and I get older, we realize over time that we, what, where real grace, love, fulfillment, satisfaction comes from, it comes from when I'm serving me less and serving others more. And essentially, when I'm doing that, it's how I get to serve God. When I'm serving others more, it's when God's going, yeah, baby, you're bringing me glory right now. And guess what happens? I'm happiest. I'm happiest. I'm most fulfilled when that's happening. When I'm living beyond this, serving the God of me, I'm happy. When I'm serving the God of me, I'm unfulfilled and I'm uncontent. Stats say so is 98% of America. We might be a little self-consumed. Think? Think? Anybody? So here's the thing. The challenge that I want for our church. The challenge that I want for me. The challenge that I want for the next generation. Because truthfully, leaving a legacy is all about how we live. And guess who's watching? Everybody else. I think about Sydney on stage this morning, singing over here, glad to have her back in town. I mean, she is a girl who we have a, a, a love and admiration for. I don't know if you remember this. She, you know, was part of our worship team. We celebrated when she went off to Mizzou to play uh, college softball. And I just, I love the fact that she's back. And I think about, this is, people like Sydney, people like my daughter who was on the front row this morning, we're going to be handing off the keys of the faith the keys to the church to the next generation. The people who will be carrying the light. Cindy, she carries the light of her faith, Christ in her life. Everywhere she goes, I think about her this summer. We drove by and, and visited her at college at Mizzou. And I'm thinking, here's this superstar girl. She's, she's funny. She's like full of life. And everywhere she goes, man, she's living this stuff out. Last hour I said, I talked about her, her dad. I call her dad every now and then, and, and he'll say, like, man, she's doing great. She's doing really good. You know, she's, she's focused on, on, on sports, and, man, she's focused on God. And I think one of the last times he told me that, man, she's, she's working through school, but, man, man, her faith is really helping her stay strong. And, and he said she's not dating, man. She's, like, focused. She's, she's not dating. And I was like, what do you mean she's not dating? She's like, yeah, she's getting asked out by all these guys, but she's just turning them all down. I said that last hour. She introduced her, her boyfriend to me this hour. So I'll retract that part, all right? But I just want to say that, listen, leaving a legacy 
is all about how you are living. It has zero to do with what you are saying. The people who, the people who will pick up the keys and how they'll use the keys of the church, how they'll leverage the faith that they're watching us model is going to be so dependent on how we model it. I think of the, the, the early you know, stories of the Bible, Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and, and the big faith stories that God used early on to talk about the children of Israel and Moses and Abraham. And the story goes on through the life of the Israelites and how it said when it got to Joshua that the people that he would now lead forgot who God was because of the earlier generation, didn't pass it on. Think about us this morning. And the example that we're going to leave and leave is going to be dependent on what we do. Not what we say, what we do. And so, leave your impoverished confusion. Right? You, you want to know who you are? Get close to God. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up to the street with meaning. Now, how do we do that? How do you, if you want to leave a legacy, if you want to be that person who's, you know, really passing on something of worth, of value, of faith and strength and standing on a firm foundation when, when times get, you know, tipsy-turvy, if you want to leave a life of legacy, live a life worth living, I'm going to give you two, thing, two three things, quickies today. Love God passionately. Love God passionately. You want to leave a legacy? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Love God passionately. You want to have your the first four needs in that Maslow's hierarchy met? Love God passionately. You want to have the five, six, seven, and eight, nine? You want to have those needs met? Love God passionately. You want to know who you are? Love God passionately. You want to know why He put you on this earth? Love God passionately. Let me show you this. This is so incredible. Paul <clears throat> explained something so profound that I think goes from generation to generation and helps us see ourselves in the bigger picture and how we're supposed to live and how we can uh, equate this God thing. He says this in Acts 17. He said from one man, meaning from one, the initial man, Adam, who God put on this earth, from one man, he, who that's God, made every nation of man. So he's like, like bragging, God, let's celebrate something here, man. God's awesome. From one man, he created all men. From one man, God put men and women and, and filled the earth with people, every nation, because of God. So from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. Now we like, wow, God, that's awesome. But he doesn't stop there. Here's where it gets really, really good. And, and this is a big and. I just like, like circling stuff in my Bible like, and. And he determined the times set for them. Who would them be? Us. So if God looked down and saw this globe and began to like put on it men and women, he was looking at all generations and all people and deciding when people would appear and be in any given generation at any given time. And he determined the time set for us, them, all of us, in the exact places they should live. Now, if you don't think God doesn't care about you, just read that verse, right? You think, you think God doesn't have a plan and purpose for my life? No, 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 no. He didn't put you in like a hundred years ago generation. Some of y'all just, you know, your hands are too soft for that, all right? He didn't put you in, like, you know, a hundred years from now. He put you in this generation for such a time as this. He knew you then before you were ever here and said, I want them here now for this point, for this purpose, for this time. I think that is, like, so, like, if this is not, I mean, this is not an aha moment for you, I don't know what is. That God knows you and I and put us in this particular place and time so we could be used for something spectacular. God doesn't do anything small, by the way. I mean, God just like, earth, oceans, 
mountains, men, women. I, I didn't say that the first hour, but good thing I didn't because it didn't go over very well, very well now. Women, yeah, come on, let's hear it for the ladies. I Like all the guys are a little slow. Get men, let's hear it for the ladies. Come on, guys, there you go, good. Good, that'll help you a whole lot today. All right, so, and he determined the time set for them in the exact places they should live. God, now listen to this, this is so profound how God weaves this in. God did this so that men would seek him. Whoa. God did what so we could, he could, we could see it? He did all this. Everything that happens around us, even from a guy named Maslow coming up with this perspective that we still talk about, God did all this. God created those needs of safety. He created the needs of knowledge. He created the needs of belongingness and the need to be loved and to love. God put that in you for this purpose. The reason you have your hurts, the reason you have your angst, the reason you you struggle and wrestle and there's these tensions of, you know, theology or philosophy or the tension of how and why and what and who am I, all of that was there. All the questions, any confusion was there. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps, because He doesn't force us, God doesn't like, oh, arm behind the back, like, oh, yes, love me. No, no, no. Our choice. God created us in such a way with a need for Him, but our choice to love Him. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out to Him and find Him. You know what our mission statement here is? Helping people find their way back to God. That's that verse. God wants us to know Him, to find Him, to be fulfilled in Him, and to have all those needs. Everything we talked about, essentially, is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He did this so that men would seek Him, perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. Can I just say this? Some of you today, you're struggling with like your purpose right now. And that's fine. Every now and then I get lost in the weeds. But we're, we're one prayer away. God, help me. I'm lost right now. God, help me. I, I'm, I'm kind of confused in this mess. God, help me. I'm hurting. We're one prayer away. Though He is not far from each one of us. And I love this. Paul quotes another passage and brings it into what he's writing. He says, For in Him we live and move and have our complete being in Him. Everything, everything can be found in Jesus. Everything that you're longing for, every need you have is found in Christ. Notice, no, if, and if you don't quite get it yet, if you just, like, it's not crystal clear, Here's what else Paul said to make it clear. He said in Colossians 1.16, for everything, that sums up the rest, for everything, absolutely everything, above, below, visible, invisible, everything got started in Him and finds purpose in Him. It's unbelievable. The second thing I want to say this is if you want to leave a legacy, if you want to be a legacy lever, you want to really be who God's called you to be and move away from serving yourself, you got to serve others selflessly. And I'm not there yet. I'm just not. I'm still, I still love me a whole lot, way more than I want to. I'm married. All you got to do is get married and figure it out you're selfish. And if you haven't figured it out, have a child or two or three. The, the, the more responsibilities to other people in your life, the more you realize how selfish you are. As a pastor, I realize how selfish I am. I want my time. I don't want you to have all my time, right? The, the more, we won't go there. Serve others selflessly. Second Timothy says this, command them to do good. Like me command you? Ah, 
I'll, I'll challenge you. But God and Timothy write, command them to do good. Command them to do good. And I think it's almost, you could say, as they are, we will be rich in good deeds. And be generous and willing to share. In this way, and I hope you're seeing this, that what we do matters in the lives of others. What we do matters. In this way, as we are being generous, as we are being willing to share, in this way, then we will lay up treasures for themselves or ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that's truly life. When we do this, when we serve others, what happens to them? They essentially see our generosity, our hand and the feet and everything that God's giving us that we're using to serve others. They then find Christ themselves through our love and generosity and grace. We're called to make a difference. It's deep in our heart and it needs to be unlocked. It needs to be unlocked. Serve others selflessly. So, let me just add this. Um, I said this last hour. When we are serving others, we should always connect the good deed with the good news. And, and, and understand this, that when we talk about social justice, social justice without spiritual justice really isn't justice at all. Right? We always need to connect the good deed, the good that we do, with the good news. Right? Think about it this way. You help feed someone and their belly's full. And I don't say this to be crass or, or, or harmful in any way, but a full belly can go to hell just the same way an empty belly can. So we must always, always, always connect the good that we do the good, to the good news that we have. Uh, let me show you this works, This verse that helps back that up. John 6, 27. Do not work for food that spoils. That's what it's saying. Don't work for food that spoils. Just don't, just don't go serve somebody, but connect them to the good news. Don't work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures into, in, internal life, eternal life. So here's what we're going to do. Here's my challenge. I presented this last hour, and I, and I, and our, I believe our church is, is going to be on fire because of this. We are going to take the next month and we're going to try to help connect the dots through something that we've always done around here. We call everything we do that's doing good anywhere else, we call it crazy compassion. So for this next 30 days, our church-wide goal for our crazy compassion is for us to go out and serve somebody. My phone is alarm is going off. That means I need to hurry. So here's the deal. This morning, you came in. Or if you got here late, you came here uh, after morning. You found a card that says, this is something to remind you that God still loves you. Our goal for the entire month is for us to find individually, every one of us, for us to say, God, who can I serve? What can I do? For you to you to find some way to answer that question and to connect the good news or connect the good deed with the good news. Now, I know some of you are like, are you serious? You're going to ask me to pass out a white card? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's why. Because some of you, this card's going to be a reminder for you. This card's going to be in your pocket. It's going to be in your card. You're going to go, gosh, I got this card that says something to remind you that God still loves you. You're going to go, you know what? He loves me. I'm reminded by that. You know what? Somebody else needs to know. And you're going you're gonna to come up with something. Like my wife this last week, I think um, Susan Griffin-Hagen is in my wife's group. They call it Prayer Mamas. At first when I heard that, I was like, can't you come up with another name? Prayer Mamas. I'm like, all right, I'm going to leave it alone. Prayer Mamas, all right? So she has a group of moms that all have like, like teens or older. You know, some of them are in college. And they got together last week and said, you know, we want to do something awesome. And let's, let's come up and all, each of us, come up with like putting together some awesome care boxes to send to our college kids. And so all of them worked on all these boxes. 
and they're going to do that. And they're going to, I hope, they're going to connect this with what they're doing. So you guys may come up with some awesome ideas. You may, you may realize, you know what, wow, something reminds me God so loves you. There's, there's a lady across the street. She's a widow. And you know it's fall, so a lot of leaves are dropping. I've noticed that the water's like not even going into her gutter. It's like going over her gutter. You might realize, you know what, I, I, it's something I can do. I can, I'm going to clean the leaves out of her gutter. You might, you might have a military family behind you in line at lunch. And maybe God just gave you enough money that day. Or maybe you have a wad full of that day, and you can buy the entire family lunch that day. Here's something to remind you that God loves you. Because let me tell you why this works. It works because we have no clue what people are, are experiencing right now in our culture. Everywhere I go, even, even, even like every Sunday in this church, you might be that person that came in today, and you walk through those doors, and you walked in here, and you, were, you had something going on in your life, and you're basically showing up today giving God and His church one last chance. We want you to know, we want you to be reminded God still loves you. He hasn't forgotten you. And we have an opportunity. Just imagine what this would look like if all of us over the next 30 days went out and found something. Maybe your giftedness. Maybe you just, you're not gifted at it, but someone's on the side of the road and you're big and you're scarier than them. But you're not gifted at it, but you're big. Right? I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to dust their shoes. I'm going to help them. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Hey, guess what? I just wanted you, I wanted you to know God hasn't forgotten you. He loves you. Here you go. I, I want us to be challenged as a church for the next 30 days to go all in, all in, to serve and love and to give our, ourselves away. You know why? Not just for their benefit, for our benefit. This is going to grow us. The second thing that, that we're, uh, I'm challenging us on as a church that we'll do on December 13th is we're going to do a very special end-of-the-year Christmas gift offering. I mentioned it last week. And what we're trying to accomplish as a church is going $50,000 over our normal offering. So here's what we're trying to do. And, and this is just my heart. My heart is this. The church is God's plan for humanity, right? I mean, it's, it's God in us, us being the church, that's God's plan for everybody. There is no plan B. There's no plan B. In fact, the, 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 the name my church got stolen out of a verse that says, upon this rock, I will build my church. There's no other promise under heaven for any other organization known to man. God's promise was for the church that it would stand the test of time and God was going to use His church to change people's forevers. And can I just tell you, we're getting it done here. We're, we're flat out getting it done as a church. We are using our stuff for people's eternities everywhere I look, both here on Sundays in the last few weeks. We've had well over 25 people that have given their life to Christ. We're leveraging our funds overseas. We're leveraging our funds all throughout our city. We have stuff going on we don't even know about. I mean, I could pick on Ed again. Ed, Ed has been with his small group going all over town serving homeless people. They've gotten people jobs. They've gotten people off the streets who are now serving jobs. A week ago, Ed told me about a guy that got him to a doctor who is a friend of one of the people in the group. And he, uh, what happened to his knee? Broke his leg, broke his bone. He had no way of getting served, getting help. This last week, the Armstrongs, Stephen, who leads worship on our stage, his wife's brother, 29 years old, lost his life because of an infection. 29 years old. He jumped off a ladder, had something wrong with his ankle, thought it was just a sprained ankle, got an infection in his ankle and died. Here's a homeless guy living on the streets in, in, in all type of filth. And here's Ed and his team serving. We've got stuff going on all over the place. So on December 13th, we're going to take a very special offering. If you're not here that day intentionally, that's okay. I'm not going to hold it against you, all right? But on that day, we're going to celebrate as a church. 
We're going to do something big. And let me tell you what we're praying for for these funds. The first thing is this. We're praying that God would allow us to be better prepared to step forward. Now, what I mean by that is we got three things going on right now. And we don't know which one's going to materialize first. Y'all know we've got some land down there and our intention is to build. That has not changed. But God is opening some other doors right now for us to have two more locations. And all I can say is after we spent time at the beginning of the year working on a strategy with 10 or 15 people of this church, we walked away saying we believe, we wrote this and penned it, we presented it to you several weeks back, we believe God is leading us to be in three locations in the next three years. Three locations in the next three years. And as soon as that started happening, God opened doors where we may have two more locations, not even including our own land. So we're going, God, we don't know. We're scared. I, I wish God would tell me exactly what's next. I don't know. All I do know is God's saying to us, be prepared for it. And we need resources to be prepared. So we're preparing for that. The second thing is we know we, we will have to add additional staff. The third thing is, and I love this because I, I, I'm preparing to share this with you, and this morning I walked around, and one of, the, one of the girls who plays one of our instruments on stage also helps us on our production, and she's on our production team today working the lights and the sound. And she said, I told her, I said, we are working towards having, doing a live service where anybody can go on, on the web and be a part of our family as it's happening. As if we were communicating and making reference to and connecting it for them. And she goes, my husband would love that. He's, over, he's a military man and he's gone right now. And I said, oh my gosh. It's exactly what we should be doing. You know how many military families we have in our church right now? I used to say 29%. People are now saying, no, 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 Jeff, it's like 50%. Do you know how many military families have come through our church with changed hearts and changed lives that still ask us, is the message up this Sunday? Is the music up? Can, can we be a part of this? We want to go live, not just for them, but for everyone. And so we're trying to get prepared for that. Now, I want to end with the last point. This is this. If you want to live a life of legacy, you're going to have to do it by living life intentionally. Living life intentionally. You, if you don't take a choice, you don't choose this, you're going to just end up living your life for yourself. It's got to be a choice. And i got to battle this every day of my life. i pretty much got to battle it hourly. Where am I doing? What am I doing? Where am I going? Who am I serving? We've got to live life intentionally. And here's my prayer for our church. My prayer is that we'll end up like this. Acts 13.36 For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. All was good. You've served your purpose well. And can I tell you, that is a life well lived. I'm going to invite our, our host teams to come forward. We're going to prepare to take a communion today. We're going to close our service out with, with just saying thank you to God. If you've never uh, been a part of a communion before, uh, what, what this is, is we're going to actually pass some juice and some crackers. Those juice and crackers are for people who would say, you know what, God gave His life for, for me, and I'm grateful for what He's done in my life. And I'm going to take this moment and I'm going to say thanks to Him. If you're a guest here this morning and this is kind of like weird and we got this, this, this room's kind of a little on the smoky side, we'll dim the lights in just a minute and it, that, that, that stuff will pass and don't worry, you'll get over it, okay? I know it's, if, if, if you're new to this, it may seem a little weird, but for a Christian, for a person who says, you know what, I bowed the knee to Jesus once and I made Him the Lord of my life, I'm not perfect, I don't get it all right all the time, but I'm grateful that He loves me. I'm grateful that he, he gave it all. He sacrificed it all for me. He gave me forgiveness. He gave me freedom. So we're going to take a moment and, and give each of you, whether it be an individual or
or you're with a friend, you got family members, you got a child next to you, when you receive your juice in this cracker, not on my command, but whenever you get it, I want you to have a moment with God. I want you to, want, I want you to do a couple things. Say thanks. Say thanks. Just pause for a moment. Say thank you, God, for what you're doing, what you've done. And I want you to also offer up, maybe for some of you might be saying, you know, God, I'm a long ways off from you right now. I've been blowing it. Some of you might want to confess. You might want to say, God, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm making some major mistakes. You know it already. And I, I'm just kind of realizing, like, yeah, I'm making some huge errors, God, and I want you to forgive me. I'm asking to forgive me. And then I want you to understand, in that moment, as you ask for his forgiveness, know that it's instantaneous, that he loves you. And there's nothing you can do. This is what grace is. This is what's so good about grace. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he already does. You know why? For the believer, for the person who's placed their heart in Jesus, when God looks at us, he only sees God, he only sees his son's blood. He only sees the sacrifice that God already gave to us through shedding his blood on the cross for us. That's what's represented in that juice. It's not blood. It's not wine. It's just, it's just grape juice. But what's represented to us is a memory, is a remembrance. God's grace is constant. It never ends. Because of what Jesus did for us, he made us right with God. And the cracker is just representing God's body. It's broken for us. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and have these guys go ahead and start passing this out. And, and as soon as you get it, you have your moment with God. We're going to try to make sure we get to everybody. And if it doesn't make its way to you, just, just flag somebody down. And again, if you're a guest today and if this is weird or awkward to you, in, in just a few minutes we'll be done and you can be on with life and, and lunch and whatever. God, I ask that you'd use this in our life right now. Challenge our hearts to have a moment that we pause moment where we could recognize that you really do love us beyond beyond what we can even love ourselves. And I pray we, you would help us with this message today. Let us absorb it. Let us live it so that we might know life as you have hope for it for us. And I pray that you'd help us to reach every man, woman, and child through your grace and love for us. take a few moments here and you just have your, your moment in time with God. You say thanks. We're still heading back towards the back. If somebody misses you and you didn't get uh, a cup of grape juice or a cracker, flag somebody down. Spend a moment with God. Lord, we are so thankful for you. God, I just I just really still am blown away at how you could you can just love us completely. Every part, God. God, you can see us with nothing but love, with nothing but grace because of your son Jesus. God, you willingly gave your best to us. You gave us your one and only son. And so Jesus, we, we want to say thanks to you as being our God and our Savior. God, as we, we have this moment, we pass these around. God, I, I just think about someone who here who might be here this morning who does not know you and they'd like to take this moment to have communion but they, they feel like hey, I'm, not, I'm not even a I'm not even in this club yet I'm not even a, a child yet I mean I'm a child but I'm still kind of like an orphan because I'm he's not yet I haven't made him my father he created me he's not my father and I'm not really his son yet so Lord I, I pray if there be anyone like that here this morning they would say I'm kind of an orphan still not my father that you would just simply in this moment you would just cry out to God and say God I want you to be my dad 
would you be my Savior? Would you come into my life and would you save me? I'm asking you, Jesus, today to be my, to be the leader, the forgiver of my life. Anybody still missing one of the ingredients? Just flag someone down. We're going to close with an offering after this. I'm going to pray and ask God to to be with us here in this last moment. Lord, we uh, we just ask that you would be with us, champion our hearts, God, guide our steps, help us to live our lives beyond ourselves. Thank you for giving us grace. Thank you for giving us freedom in you. Thank you for this church. I pray that you would rally us up. I pray that today would, be, would have been some defining moments in some people's lives today. They, they would finally step beyond serving themselves and surrender completely to you, trusting by faith, trusting that you are faithful. Even when we're faithless, God, trusting that you're still faithful. But I pray you'd use this church in this city for every man, woman, and child. I pray as we we give these crazy compassion cards and we serve others. God, use it to change us, but God, use it for some, use our skills, our gifts, our money, our stuff for somebody else's forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our host teams are going to come. We're going to close with an offering. Our band's going to play. And can I just say, if you're a guest today and this bucket comes around as we take an offering, just be our guest. And as we say often around here, if, if you're here today and you've got a big size need, you've got, a, you've got a, a, a big, huge deficit, maybe a power bill, maybe 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 something catastrophic happened and we don't know about it, I, I encourage you just to take take what you need. Um, we chuckled last hour because I, I saw a video recently. Someone sent me a video of, of a person uh, stealing money out of the offering plate, like sitting in the back of the church and it, and somehow I got sat next to them and they were like skimming out the offering plate. I'm like, that never happened here. We tell people to do it. That wasn't very funny, I know. But I say it because we mean it. And as a church, we exist. We exist not for ourselves. We exist for everybody else. And the way we are going to grow, the way we're going to experience love, the way we're going to experience grace is if we as a church we rise up and rally up and say, God, it's all for you. So in this last song, let's just dedicate it to him. God, it's all for you. Thank you for what you've done for me.